Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. God, we thank you. We thank you that we get to take a moment and hear your voice. Allow you to lift some things, correct some things, rechannel some things in our heart, in our minds, in our lives. And Lord, I just pray that you would take the words um, that are about to be spoken now and make them spirit-infused. Allow them to be life bread unto our um, spirits for sustenance this week. God, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be in your presence today. And let us leave transformed into your son's image. And everybody said, amen. So the first week we talked about the voice. Remember, we looked at the passage in John chapter 10, and we talked about how Jesus is our good shepherd. He's not a hireling. He's not the one that when troubles come that he runs off because he abandons us. No, he's in it. We are his sheep, and he is the gate, so to speak. He is the one that literally lays down his life, as was customary then, to literally be the gate for a shepherd to lay down across that entranceway. And anything that was coming in or out had to cross over him. Jesus has laid down his life as our gate, and and the sheep know his voice. And when uh, one would go astray, he could literally call, even if there were multiple um, pastors that were, that were there together, the ones that weren't his, they didn't follow him. But the ones that, that were his, they knew it. They knew his voice and they would follow. And, and Jesus says in John 10 that there are others. There are others that have yet to come into this pen to enter in and to find pasture. And that's the empty seats. That's the ones that you and I both know that are, again, hurting, um, need a place to call home, need to find pasture in his presence. And, and I believe that God's still expanding our pen, so to speak, that he is leading because of his voice and what he's doing in their lives. And through you, he is guiding them back to himself, to the true shepherd. And, and we talked about a little bit about how we prove and vet the voices, how sometimes there's a lot of voices out there under the guise of Christianity that honestly have nothing to do with Christ. And it's unfortunate that we have to almost debunk so many things in our culture. How many of you, you've worked with some people and they want, they'll have nothing to do with church because of an experience, maybe something they've seen on TV, maybe they've been hurt. And a lot of that, we almost have to spend a lot of time unraveling what has been done in the name of Christ so that they'll accept the real Jesus. And I think sometimes I just wish we could go back to with the real Jesus stand up, you know, type of scenario, and they could see him for who he is. But I think he's going to give us that opportunity. Thanks, Susan, for quieting my son down while I'm, while I'm speaking. Joda. <laughs> We're so glad to have our kids up here with us for our family service. That means I got to make it short. So we talk about the voice and how Jesus, he's not the one that maybe some people have made him out to be. And we even had some fun uh, the second week we talked about. Remember, we had the buzzers up here. We talk about the different voices we hear. And sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's just self beating us down. And sometimes we're hearing the lies of the enemy. And we kind of, we had some fun with differentiating the voices that we hear. And how do we vet those well, we vet him through the, the promises of God, through his word. We can see what he has already said to us and that it must line up with what he will say to us. I believe that what the Lord has already said to us will always line up with what he will say to us. Does that make sense? I don't think God's going to come and say to you, oh, you need to divorce your wife. 
when yet we know that he hates divorce. And he's, if you've been divorced before, hey, this is not shaming time, but I'm talking about your future. I'm talking about how the Lord's not going to say, oh, you know what? If you just tell that little lie, it's probably not that bad. Ah, it's okay if, if no one catches you stealing, as long as you don't get caught. You know, just things that we know, right? The Lord's not going to speak to us or lead us in a way. And those are such, you know, drastic examples. I, I just throw the Ten Commandments in there as drastic examples of we understand that what God has said already to us, He's going to continue to reaffirm those same words to us in our lives. But how many of you, as we transition into what I want to talk about today, how many of you have a favorite season of the year? And not necessarily just summer, fall, winter, but maybe it's a time of the year. Maybe you love the sights, the sounds, the smells, but you just have a favorite season. Anybody else have just a favorite season? Is, is it this season for anybody? Anybody? No? Hot, humid. Yeah, you're glad school's out. Okay, I, I see that hand. Anybody else? What, what's your favorite season? Who's Spring. Springtime. Anybody else like springtime? Is that on their list? We didn't really have much of a spring this year, did we? We went straight from winter to a whole bunch of rain to... Maybe a little bit of spring, but it, what else? What's your favorite season? I saw some other hands. Fall. fall. I like fall too. Fall and spring, I think, are they're a lot alike, supposed to be temperature-wise, but they're just very, very unique in the sense of things are coming off, things are falling off, things are coming out of the ground, things are withering and dying. Um, I like the winter, <laughs> withering and dying. That's a great way of putting it, isn't it? I like the wintertime. And, and for years, I lied to my wife and said, this season, things are going to slow down. All right, I would say for about three, four years before she stopped believing a word I said anymore, she'd be like, I would be like, hey, it's wintertime. Things are definitely going to slow down at work. I'm not going to have all the stuff outside that I have to do. I mean, it's just going to be great. We're going to get to spend time. We're probably going to play board games inside like every night. And uh, how many of you know, even with the seasons outside, it doesn't always change in our lives, does it? Our calendar doesn't necessarily get any, uh, any less full. Um, but there are seasons that we just are drawn to. And I want us to talk about today about how sometimes we can hear his voice and we can even know the Lord in a different and unique way based on the seasons of life that he's walking us through. I don't know if you've experienced that before, uh, but I've seen sometimes the Lord just showing me something about who he is, about his character and nature by something I was going through. And I don't want to share this in a way of trivialize, uh, trivializing what we go through. I don't want to make it trivial that you go through hardship, that you go through loss, that you experience pain. Um, all those are very real. And in our joys and victories and in our low moments in our valleys, I think the same we can see the Lord in a unique way in each one of those seasons. And that's what I want us to talk about today. I want us to talk about the seasons that the Lord has created in the cycles of our life. And the word of God alone, how God sometimes will set in motion times, seasons, and cycles. There's, there's roughly over 800 verses in the Bible that talk about these, whether it's a season, a cycle, a, a moment in time. There was something that happened that was related to what the Lord was initiating through a season or a cycle or a, a time and 800 verses. Rick, that's nearly... If I were to break down my Bible, I think there's like roughly 800 pages in here. That's almost one per page if I were to average it out. That's, that's quite a lot of how much is centered around changes and transitions and times and moments and cycles. And I want us to look at one of the very first narratives here that talk about seasons and days and years. And it's Genesis chapter 1. 
If you brought a real Bible because you're really saved and you love Jesus, you can open it up to the very first chapter. This one's not even gonna be hard for you to find. It's the first book, the first chapter, and we're gonna look at the 14th and 15th verse. And God said in verse 14 of chapter one in Genesis, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be signs to indicate seasons and days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. I think so many times I read over this verse and I just kind of gloss over it as another day in creation. And I'm, I'm more trying to kind of categorize what he did and, and what happened in that day. But I miss, I miss what he expands on when he created it. He gave them purpose. He said, let them be signs. Let these lights in the sky be signs to indicate what? Seasons, days, and years. So there's even, there's even within creation itself, the way God has designed things, that there would be indicators. There will be things that we would be able to visually even see and know that, and this isn't just so that we could enhance our stargazing or um, become a, a little bit better with our, astro, uh, our astronomical information or whatever it may be to really uh, understand, oh yeah, red sky by night, sailor take, does anybody know the rest of it? All right. So you, you can recognize even by the sky how they would use it um, throughout the years, throughout the, the, the centuries even, uh, to understand when a storm was coming, to understand when it was a, a good time to plant a crop. But for us, I think it even indicates seasons, not just the stars, but God's design and patterns. And we can see a little bit that he is, he's doing things intentionally. He's doing things on purpose. I don't know about you, but I have experienced God in, in different ways by the seasons that he's walked me through. And I see it in scripture. I think about how Paul, we love to quote this verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But so many times I pluck that out and it's out of the context of understanding that Paul was learning something. He, was, he had gone through some seasons of life. Maybe you can relate. Paul is talking about some seasons where he's had a lot and he was eating like in a palace. And then he's also talking about a season where he had a little and he was learning to be content. No matter what he had, whether it was a little or a lot, Paul is talking about, I can do them both because of Christ who gives me strength. How many of you know God, God's not just in our victorious moments, but he's also with us in the valley. He's with us when there's a lot and when there's a little. The, the, the difference is, is that the Lord is with us. There's no difference. He is still with us. And he will, I believe, allow the rain to, to, to come down upon the just and the unjust alike. And we understand that the Lord will give us strength no matter what. How about Moses? I think about how he stepped out prematurely in a season of leadership. And he ended up slaughtering an Egyptian there who was beating um, an Israelite slave. And what happened to him? He ends up a season in the desert. I think he had a process to go through and the Lord sent him into a season in the desert before he could come back and really be elevated to the place what God had him for. I think about the seasons that happened for us. What about David? I think David went through multiple seasons as we all do but we get a snapshot of a few of his. We get the snapshot of him as a shepherd boy and worshiping the Lord. And we get probably a plethora of Psalms that were written when he was really a teenager upon the, they were inscribed upon his heart. And I think that because he was a shepherd with excellency, because he really embraced that season, the Lord was able to elevate him. 
How many of you know that it's when we can embrace our season fully, the Lord will move us on to the next one? I've talked to so many people, and myself included, when I was a single uh, you know, raging young man and, and looking for, oh God, who are you sending me? Where's my wife? Who's gonna be the one I wanna know? And you know, you get caught up in so many different philosophies and theologies of the one or whatever it may be. And, and, uh, and, and I was like, God, there's, there's gotta be someone that you've got for me, a helper. And, and sometimes we get so focused on a season and the change and the transition that we don't embrace the one God has us in. And he'll never move us on to the next one or out of that one until we're done circling that mountain and we've learned all the lessons he has for us. The good and the bad in that. Just yesterday even, I had one of those days where I either didn't get enough sleep or I just woke up on the wrong side. I'm not sure. And Candy saw it at about, oh, noon. She got to, she got to see that. And I was so frustrated because things weren't going the way I had hoped. And uh, I know none of you guys can relate to this, but we go downtown and we're like, hey, let's go to the farmer's market. Took us like an hour and 45 minutes just to get everybody ready and in the car. That hour and 45 minutes, we really could have enjoyed the farmer's market downtown. But by the time we get to 640 um, off of 40, um, onto 40, here it comes. I'm like, are you kidding? So I'm like, Cherry Street. We're getting off. I'm like, we're not going downtown. And I'm waiting for Candy to tell me what we're going to do, right? I don't want to make the decision for some reason. It's one of those moments and uh, because I'm frustrated. And I'm waiting for ideas. And, and because I'm frustrated, she can't come up with any ideas. I've debilitated her ability to make any suggestions because that's how she's wired. And uh, so we end up going back home and we sit there and it was fine. Kids didn't know the difference. They went downstairs and had lunch and watched Netflix. And... Um, But I realized that sometimes if we don't recognize just the moment that we're in, the season that we're experiencing, give ourselves grace, we'll do something that will keep us in that circle, (laughs) that will keep us in that loop, that will keep us frustrated, that will keep us revisiting the lessons the Lord is trying to teach us. And that was such a a small example just from a a snapshot in my day. But it's like that on, on the bigger scale too, isn't it? You know, until we learn that, that the Lord is trying to teach us something in our heart, Man, he'll allow us to keep keep wallowing in that, to keep to keep cycling through that until he's allowed to be invited into that situation and circumstance. And he's handed those things as well that we're dealing with. Because it's really, I think the Lord's just trying to bring us to a point of surrender. I know for me that's all it is. It's about me letting go of my pride and trusting him. And so much of what we are learning, I think, here at Emmanuel is resting in him. As Rick talked about with effortless Christianity, as we're talking about in the voice, is it, it, the gospel is innate in all of this, what Jesus is doing. We can't keep doing the striving cycle over and over and over and expect to get into the rhythm of his grace cycle. It just won't happen. And so I think about these biblical examples of David from that shepherd boy to being anointed, but yet the process he went through, the seasons he would go through, even, even befriending the king's son until that king is chasing him. What some terrible seasons he would go through before he would ever become king, but never taking it into his own hand. I think about other cycles that we see with Joseph. We see Joseph has these great dreams and, and man, he's got these visions and then he shares them with folks that, that don't get it. His own family, his brothers end up, we know the story, throwing him into a pit, sell him off to be a slave. And then he gets elevated, a new season. Then Potiphar's wife lies about him. Then he's back in prison. And I mean, just the roller coaster sometimes of our seasons that we, that we want to skip the process and go straight to the, the palace. 
We want to skip that process. And I feel like that word has become such a dirty word that we, we don't want to go through that process. That we're just like, oh, no, surely not. Can I just jump to here? Can I either just stay here or jump to there? I don't want to go in between. But God has a process. Now, I want us to look real quick at 1 Chronicles 12, 32. Because as the men were being enumerated for war, there was a tribe among Israel named Issachar. And I love verse 32, what it says about them. It says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. There's very little said about, these, uh, about this tribe in this moment. Just that one line, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. In the Hebrew, there's only one other uh, counterpart that is, that is similar, and it's in Esther, and it's talking about the astrologist who would understand the times. And some infer that this is talking about a similar dynamic, but it's not really, um, it's not really giving us that information. Uh, we're not told that that's the case. And, and, and whether it was by the stars or it was another way, I believe that these were people that, that understood that God used seasons and times to speak to us, to reveal himself, and to also give us a precursor of where he's, he's leading us. We talked about looking back to move forward, and I think sometimes we see his faithfulness to understand what he's doing in the present and where he's taking us in the future. And I think as people of God, we can be like the men of Issachar. We can be filled with his spirit and have discernment that his Holy Spirit can lead and guide us and we can understand the times and the seasons that we're living in. I remember understanding God in a different way when Candy and I were courting. It caused me to reflect on, on God as my pursuer. It caused me to understand him in a way that I hadn't before as, as, as someone who was after my heart, who would want my attention, who would ravish me with his love. That was what I began to understand is, is, is Katie and I were in that dating phase. And there was another time that I, I, you just began to reflect differently as, you, uh, as Candy became pregnant with Ellie. And we began to reflect on, I began to think about God as my father. I began to think about the good and the bad examples I had in my life of what that looked like. I began to think about, but what is he genuinely like? And how does he want me to reflect that through this new role and season in my life? And of course, um, we began to embark on a different journey a few years ago and didn't know where it would lead us. But with Levi, I began to, scriptures would jump out that had the, uh, the words in it that he has adopted us as sons and daughters, that he has brought us into his family. Things that had never really meant what they mean to me today mean something totally different because of the seasons we go through. It should be the same for you. And, and again, I don't want to trivialize that the Lord will use what you've been through to help someone else. More than that, the Lord will use what he has been with us walking through to show us who he is. Greater than using you in someone else's life, he will show you who he is to you and to your heart. If we'll open up and allow him to journey through these seasons with us. Because we can't always change the seasons. We can change the cycles. We can't always change the seasons. The seasons are going to happen in our life. But we can change the cycles. What do you mean by that? Well, Michael, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> the cycles that we walk through oftentimes are self-inflicted situational, circumstantial, things that we have made choices to see 
bad behaviors, good behaviors. We can experience healthy cycles because of good, healthy patterns we put in our life. Candy and I, at the beginning of the year, we went on Whole30 that lasted 45 days. So it was Whole45, I guess. And so we went on that and I saw some really good cycles in my metabolism happening. I saw some great things in my health. I felt good. That's all changed now. But we went through that cycle and we we put into effect some new things for our bodies, for our rest, for my back. I mean, all kinds of things were, were affected by that. But I can also make unhealthy choices. I can listen to things that I don't need to be listening to of gossip and lies and slander. I can listen. I can also watch things and, and open up my eye gate. I can put things into my body that I eat and ingest that will, that will begin unhealthy cycles and I'll see the deterioration the same way usually a whole lot quicker than those healthier cycles, right? Just the way it likes to work. But for us, we have, we have involvement in those cycles in our lives. But the seasons, we don't. And I think embracing the seasons and allowing the Lord to help us with the cycles, we begin to experience his freedom. Because we begin to see him in the seasons he's walking us through. And it begins to help us create healthy cycles regardless of what season we're in. Does that make sense? And we begin to experience the freedom that he has for us as we say, God, you're showing me a new aspect of who you are. Allow me to reflect it well. Allow me to reflect it well. Candy recently, I know she's been talking about, um, because we're still in, the, we're in a fostering season and an adoptive season of our life. Um, and and we've, we've dedicated, as she calls it, our, uh, is it small talk? Is that what you call it, Candy? Yep, small talk. She just stepped in here so I can ask her. We, we dedicate our small talk. So what we give our chatter to, what we give our, our conversations to, people are probably tired of hearing it by now. They're like, oh my gosh, here come Michael and Candy. They're going to talk to us about fostering again. But we dedicate our small talk to something. We all give it to something. Hey, you can talk about the weather all day if you want to. I'm going to talk about taking kids into your home who are experiencing some drama. And you may want to go, oh my gosh what a cloud, I'm out of here. And so we have dedicated our small talk, our chatter to, to that, to something that God has us in in this season. We wanna be so faithful to the season he has us in. So we've signed up for everything we feel like the Lord is opening for us. There are not a lot of foster parents I know that are like, hey, I wanna go through this week-long training and teach path classes. I don't know a lot of those people, but we're like, God, let us embrace this season you have for us. What is your season? What are you walking through right now? How are you embracing it? How are you letting the Lord show you who he is and then who he is through you? That's embracing our season. God, what are you saying to me through this cycle of, of loss and pain? I'm showing you, you have limits. And that's hard. That's a hard lesson for any of us to learn. You have limits of what you can feel and tolerate and that you need others. How I many of you know that that's, that, that, that uh, revelation right there gets revealed in so many seasons? Because God is continually drawing us back to himself and showing us, I am with you, I am faithful, I am loving, I am compassionate. Just this week, uh, while we were downstairs for the panel of PATH class, this is probably the best week of PATH for any, folk that any folks that walk through it. You have all the caseworkers. You have CPS, the investigative side. You've got a, um, a caseworker for a, for a foster parent. You've got a caseworker for a child. You've got everybody on this panel. And then you've got like a foster parent. But this week, we had someone downstairs with us that I've never had on a panel. We had two teenagers that had walked through foster and adoptive care. And their story was powerful. 
It was so powerful. But the young girl, one of them that really stood out to me, she talked about how she just wanted a hug so bad. She just wanted a family that would love her. And we're all like, I'll take teenagers. We said we didn't want teenagers. I'll take teenagers. And, and those who have teenagers are like, don't do it, Michael. Don't take teenagers. But she was just talking about how so many people, they all want the babies, right? They want the cute, the cuddly, the ones who maybe don't have the history yet, the baggage, we like to say. And here they were, these teenagers just talking about, man, I I moved in with this family and I didn't want to mess anything up. Here was this six and seven-year-old, my little brothers and sisters that I call them now. And I was like, who wants to go to Target? And they're like, man, so we just go to Target together. And just the beauty of that relationship, because all she wanted was love and belonging, like we all do. But what it reminded me of is she shared, as she said, I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to mess up this relationship. And I finally said something on the panel. I said, hey, listen, as foster future foster parents in this room, listen, we need to change that narrative and experience. They need to understand because my bio kids, they mess it up sometimes and I can't kick them out either. But we all mess it up, don't we? We need to understand that God's love is unconditional. I have to remind myself of that in my own parenting, that God's love is unconditional. Yes, there's consequences. Yes, there's, there's, there's sometimes I need, to, I need to sympathize, but you know, this is still, there's still a consequence. I'm so sorry that you chose to play with matches outside by the barn, but there are consequences to setting that on fire. You know, there's, there's sympathy with consequences. So there's still consequences, but I, I just try to take some of that pressure off of her. And I realize, man, we do the same thing in our lives, maybe to ourselves, more than we do to others. We think that there's that our God in heaven is somehow loving us less or more based on our behavior. How many of you know that's not true? It's so hard to get it up here in the cycles we play over and over. In the seasons that we experience, we begin to see that the Lord wants to reveal himself to us. As he passed by, remember I challenged you guys a couple of weeks ago when the Lord revealed himself. There were two key times with Moses and with Elijah. When he would pass by, look up what he declares in Exodus 33. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, full of, abounding in love. Yes, keeping his covenant of love for a thousand generations and visiting the sins upon them two to three, four generations. But we see that when the Lord passes by, he reveals who he is. And I want to ask, how is he passing by in your season of life? As I mentioned, I want to read Romans 8. 14 through 17 quickly. And this will speak to what we've been sharing. It says, for those who are led by the spirit of God, you're children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought your adoption to sonship or daughtership, if you need to hear that. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, we, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. I think about Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. It says this, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. I was challenged these last couple of months where I heard this, I heard someone say that adoption was always God's first plan. And I was like, what? Adoption was always God's first plan? I don't know if I agree with that. And I'll read this verse right here, and it makes me wrestle with it a little bit more. It says, before the creation of the world, he had chosen us to be holy and blameless. 
I can either take that phrase from the creation of the world and apply it to everything else he says until I see a break in the narrative, or I can say it just applies to being holy and blameless. I think some take that and say in love, he predestined us. There has to be some sort of foreordination to be adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ. And you're like, wait a minute. So you're saying when God set this world in motion, he pretty much set it all up that there would be a fall and a need for redemption? Getting on a slippery slope of theology there. It <laughs> will save those questions. Those are really good ones, though. Come back never. Come back never. I'm not going to answer that one. Um, I think the Lord, it may have been plan B, but it was his plan original of redemption. It was his original plan of redemption, knowing that the fall was going to occur. He already had willingly sacrificed his son. According to Revelation, he had been sacrificed from the foundation of the world. Right? We, we see that. And that the plan was, it was for the adoption of those that, that had been marred by sin. That we had already, that adoption was his original plan of redemption. His original plan of redemption was that we would experience adoption. That's powerful. Where we were once not children of God, now we are. Where we had once not received mercy, now we have. When we were once not a people, now we are the people of God. When we had no family, no belonging, regardless of your earthly status and home life, we are part of something that is eternal now. Amen? It's good. And so we see that regardless of what we're going through, the seasons in our lives that the Lord, he will unveil an aspect of who he is. Whether you're walking through or with family through loss, for me, with those that have gone through deadly diagnosis, through bankruptcy, through parents walking out, through relationships that, that start and begin shrouded in lies, whether you've been hurt by deceit, crippled by addiction, struggling under life stress, marriage on the rocks, kids driving you crazy, we see that there is a steady and a constant through it all, and it is the Lord. And all those things I just shared, that was just my wife and I driving here this morning, kids going crazy, marriage on the rock. I mean, that was, I mean, you know, those cycles and seasons, they keep revisiting. But we see that the Lord is our constant. And I begin to play a different voice over in my head than the ones that the situations and circumstances I'm going through are feeding me. And those that are around me that don't understand what the Lord is doing, they don't always understand either. And I begin to hear that the word that there's telling me is that there's a rock that I can go to that is firm when things are shaky, that there's a refuge when I need to come in from life's storms, that there's a shepherd who will lead me by still waters, even when my life seems tumultuous. We begin to replay God's promises in his voice over regarding what we're walking through versus letting everything else around us feed us his lyrics. Let's listen to what the Lord has to say. I want us to begin to get a glimpse of who God is with a new lens through our seasons and allow him to create the opportunities to see him in a new way. How many of you, there's a few seasons I want to talk about, you've ever been through just a dry season? I mean, it seems like I can go to church, I can, pray, I can read my Bible, but I'm not sure where God is in all of it. I don't hear his voice, I'm not, I don't feel his presence. I have been through dry seasons countless times. Even Candy and I were talking about monks this week as I was studying this lesson. I was looking up some of the stuff that was really speaking to me. I began, I was like, man, 
I'm gonna take Christian um, to a monastery and I know some good ones. So I started looking up a couple of good ones. We're gonna go for a day, maybe a weekend. Let's see what they have. And I started looking up some in Kentucky and one just above uh, Atlanta. And there's this weird nunnery or whatever they're called in Morristown, of course, right? In Morristown, I was like, we're definitely not going near that one. It was like really whacked out. Anyways, cult. <laughs> I probably should have said that. <laughs> so I looked up all these monasteries because I was like, man, sometimes our dry seasons, we just have to switch it up. We just have to change the rhythm of our own life. Sometimes you got to force some breaks. You got to kickstart the gas, whatever. You, you just got to inject some stuff into your life because there's these seasons and cycles that just, boom, you just got to jolt. And I was like, man, we, I need to go and just quiet some stuff down. And I know Christian and I had been talking about this. And I started, I was sharing this with Candy. And she's like, a monastery? What are you, Buddhist? <laughs> and I want to go off on the rest of our conversation. But I was, I was able to describe to her that monks are not only in foreign religions. That was a misnomer she had. Did, <laughs> how many of you, when you hear monks, you only think of wearing orange, shaved head, you're Buddhist? There's a few hands. That is a common misnomer. There, that's, I explained to her that it's just like saying that if you're a terrorist, you have to be an Islamic rattler radical um, adherent to their faith. And so I'm like, that's not true. You can be a terrorist in any religion. You can be extremist in anything. Remember the crusade? Let's not remember the crusades. There's, you can have extremists in anything, just like you can have monks, those that are extremists on the other side in any religion, including Christianity. So there, I got that out. Thanks, Candy, for that, that uh, illustration. But we think about these dry seasons and the monks, that's where I was going. The monks would call this the dark night of the soul. I think about some uh, uh, in the early 300s uh, among our early church fathers, how they would talk about this dark night of the soul, this time of the season, so to speak, where you would go through and it didn't matter what you did. You couldn't hear God's voice. You wondered, why is he so distant? What have I done? And I think that it's healthy for us to self-reflect. I think that we need to say, God, if there's something you're trying to show me, because sin does put a wall between us and the Lord. And if there's something I need to confess, then I will go to 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sin, Lord, you are faithful to forgive it and give me that restitution. And I hopefully open up the channels of hearing your voice again. But sometimes, how many of you know with our friend Job, his friends got that wrong? They're like, Job, the reason all of this is happening because you've sinned. So in our self-reflection, discern your season. Sometimes it's not all about your sin. Sometimes it's about the Lord allowing us to get closer and see a new aspect of he is our living water, even when things are dry. That we don't always have to have the, the earthquake and the, and the tornado, but the gentle whisper is the Lord as well. And I think that that can be so powerful when we realize that because I wanna read Psalm 5.3. Let's read this. I think I have it up there. Psalm 5.3 says this. It says, listen to my, my voice in the morning. Lord, each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. I think it's so important that we don't, in, in, our, in our seasons of drought, that we don't skip. Uh, the, I'm sorry. Hey, will you throw Psalms 37.7 uh, up there as well? This is what I wanted to read. That other verse is great. It's in the Bible too. But this is the one I wanted to read. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Let me read that again. After I get a drink. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. In the translation I had, to act. It goes on. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways 
when they carry out their wicked schemes. How many of you know sometimes in our dry seasons, we can compare to what is happening in other people's lives? And we'll, we'll reflect on where we're at based on where everyone else is, going back to that comparison model. And we do that in so many different seasons. We'll compare our season to someone else's season that is different than ours. And it won't always line up because the Lord is trying to teach us something than what he's trying to teach them. But we are reminded to be still, Lord, just to be still in your presence. This is what we did on Wednesday. We're just really being still in the Lord's presence and just waiting for him to speak. Lord, we're listening for your voice. In every season of life, we need it. Do you guys remember Jehoshaphat? We sing a song today, uh, this is how I fight my battles. I love what the Lord, or actually the prophet um, speaks as the Lord enables the prophet in 2 Chronicles 20, 17. Now, how many of you guys remember Jehoshaphat? He was the one who had paired up with Ahab, right? Ahab was the king of Israel during the time of Elijah. We looked at that a little bit when Elijah appeared on the scene. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and he had paired up with Ahab, a wicked king, to do some... uh, just some defeating of enemies, so to speak. But he didn't realize he was aligning himself with someone who was wicked. And it really turned out to be uh, a a terrible decision on Jehoshaphat's part. And so he comes back and here's the prophet speaking to him. Do you have 2 Chronicles 20, 17? Throw that up there. I only see Psalm 37. There we go. Here's what it says. And I love this. It says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And what I love about that song we sing is this is how I fight my battles, even though it doesn't really actually give you how to fight your battles. It's dramatically informing us that through worship, this is how I fight. Lord, just resting in you. I I may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Jehoshaphat, I think, had a, had a similar lyric playing over as he went out to face his enemy. This is how you fight your battles. You wait patiently on the Lord. You let him be your rear guard as, as well as your, your forward marching army. You let the Lord be the, be the one who takes on the enemies you're facing. And I think that's so hard sometimes to, to say, this is how I fight my addiction. This is how, I, this is how I, I, I find out financial health and budget. This is how I believe for the people in my family that are experiencing loss right now. This is how the, the wayward child in my home that I thought would be serving the Lord right now. This is how I fight it, Lord. Are you serious by waiting? Yeah, you let the Lord, you trust in him and you watch how he patiently makes it happen because you and I can't. You and I can't forge that relationship that has been messed up over the years. We can want it, we can desire it, and we can continue to say, Lord, this is what I'm believing for. I'm agreeing with your promises. This is what I'm standing on. I am presenting this to you like the, what was it, the lady in Luke who comes before the unjust judge and says, God, you will you do this? Grant us mercy. We can be persistent, but persistent in hoping and waiting and trusting on the Lord. Persistent in not taking things into our own hands and manufacturing an answer to his promises. End up with an Ishmael 10 times over when we do that. It won't be the fulfillment of what he has for us. It won't be true freedom to that that person walking through addiction. It won't be true healing through what we're walking through in this life unless the Lord is in it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. This is how we fight our battles. And I think about not only the dry season, but the waiting season and how difficult that can be. How many of you know waiting is not easy, especially today where we want everything now 
I want it in two days on my doorstep from Amazon now. Like, right? Waiting is not built into our model of how we do life now. Yeah, it used to be the microwave, but it's way worse, right? We, we want everything now. We want it airdropped. We want it here. We want our relationship fixed. We want, we want health now. We don't understand why we're not getting answers. And we don't understand the process of waiting, of waiting. This is another one of those dirty words, Crystal, along with process. It's waiting. They pretty much mean the same thing to me. The process is, is waiting, is journeying it out, is letting the Lord walk through this with us. Now, Psalm 5.3. This is such a good verse, I wanted to share it with you twice. <laughs> I got one, yeah. Psalm 5.3. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. I think about what the Lord is doing sometimes in the waiting. He's reminding us that he's not forgotten us. He's wanting to remind us that he's planning, he's pruning, he's chiseling away things that are necessary for that next level. I don't know about you, but I've seen people skip some of the waiting and they weren't ready for what they just shortcutted. They weren't ready for that promotion, so to speak, not just in a job, but just in life. They weren't ready for, they, they like went straight to a, a relationship status that it wasn't quite ready. And it wasn't just Elijah on Facebook saying, I'm, I'm engaged, even though that wasn't true. And then like the next post said, I'm not, I'm just joking. Or, or like my, my face, Facebook post of, I'm the pastor now. I've been voted in, but I haven't been. I didn't actually say that. You guys just read that between the lines. But we think about the waiting, how the Lord, I think about so many things in my life, how working with family in ministry, in life, there was such a process for me that the Lord had to, had to really take me through to be ready for even where I'm at now. And sometimes I still wonder, am I ready for where I'm at now? And I think about just how the Lord will, will take us through journeys, through processes. I think about even just the, the season of fostering and adopting. How many years before that, the Lord began putting that in our heart? How many years before that, Candy and I would begin talking about it? And we would say, yeah, I'm saying yes in my heart now, but I know it's for a later season. And I think the Lord does that. He allows us to begin a process transitions and changes and where he's directing us, even when we're not ready to jump right into that, because it's part of the journey. It's part of the waiting. He's in the waiting. How many of you have also just been through a grinding season? It's been dry. You've waited, but you've just got to grind it out. I, think, I, I picture you, Josh. You're just kind of like a grind. You're like, we're just going to do it. We're going to get it done. Another one of my good friends, I think it's military. That's the way they wire you. It's to just grind. That's all it is. We're just going to suck it up, boys. Get that rucksack and keep on marching, right? It's just, I don't care how bad you're chafed. Keep going. It's just, that's the real part of it right there. And so you just keep grinding. You just keep going. But when we apply that to relationships and it takes good communication, it doesn't always translate. It doesn't always translate to waiting on the Lord. But, but sometimes we do have to remember in those grinding seasons, the Lord's just wanting you to keep being faithful. Keep doing the right next thing. Put one foot in front of the other. It's okay to tell you yourself left, right, left in your spiritual journey. That's okay. Sometimes that's the season we're in. And we're saying, Lord, I just need to see some light at the end of the tunnel. You will. Don't lose hope in the grinding seasons of life. Sometimes it seems like everything you do doesn't really produce any results. That's okay. Keep being faithful. Keep coming before the Lord. As, as David just said in that Psalm, 
Lord, here I am each morning presenting my request. But what? What's happening? Just keep on keeping on. Sometimes we just have to grind it out, and Josh does appreciate that. But don't burn out. Pace yourself. Recognize when you need a break in the grind. Recognize when you need to take a pause from everything going on. You need to separate yourself from just some some people, some situations, some grinding, and say, Lord, I just need some refreshing. I need to find some quiet. I need to find some stillness. And I think that's one of the things through all of this that we go through that becomes one of the most difficult today. I think the enemy uses the noise and busyness more than almost anything in our culture today. I don't know about you. We could all get out our calendars and we could see who's is uh, worse than the others. It doesn't matter. We all are filling up our lives with so much stuff today that it's hard. I believe the enemy, Rick, is using this busyness, busyness. And he's allowing us to believe that somehow our value is found in that. That when I'm productive, when I'm getting stuff done, that somehow my, it reflects on who I am and who he's called me to be. I'm just being a good steward with my time. I'm, I'm, I'm being faithful to what he's called me to do. You're going to burn out. You're going to burn out because of all this busyness. He has not put all this in your calendar where you don't have rest, where you don't have a Sabbath. I think about this, and I think this is one of the greatest ways that we are disobedient today. And I'm preaching to myself right now. This is probably one of the biggest ways that we are disobedient today in our lives. And we have a whole lot of other sin issues because of it, because we don't take time to rest in the Lord. I look at the Ten Commandments as I was studying this week, and and it was talking about how the Sabbath has more written about it than any of the other commandments. Now, they think about the culture they're coming out of. They're coming out of working seven days a week, making bricks, slavery. They're used to just being factories. They are machines. They are used to the grind. And here they are, and the Lord's like, you will be set apart. You will be a different people. You will be a people belonging to me. You will not be like the other nations. And the first command that we don't get is literally it's 10 words in the Hebrew. The first one is, I am the Lord your God. What they call the Shema, I am the Lord. That's the first word. And it's attached to you shall have no other gods before me. The first command is, I'm your Lord. I'm your God. And as we get through those, you shall not commit murder, adultery. But then we get to the Sabbath. You've got to have Sabbath cycles in your life. I've got to have Sabbath cycles. Because when we don't have that margin in our life, when we shortcut that and we disobey, we'll find ourselves weary and vulnerable to so many other things in our life. Does anybody else identify with that besides me? It's mostly me, isn't it, Rick? No, I see your hand. Thank you. But here's what I want to challenge us to do is how do we schedule that? How do we make that a part of our our daily life? And, And we're going to talk about that some more. I'm not going to expound on it as much today, but I want you to begin to look at how you can begin to, to build in rest into your daily life. Because while I believe we rest in Jesus, I believe the Lord wants us to also rest. This isn't just written in the 10 commandments. This is inscripted in creation. Even the Lord, after his creative work, He rested from what he had done and enjoyed what he had done. This is before commandments. This is before the the revealing on Mount Sinai. This is innate 
in all of creation. It's the way God has designed things. And if we assume that that's just an Old Testament uh, command, we will shortcut the way he has designed us. Does that make sense? We have to find the rhythms of rest in our daily walk and to be refreshed. I want to encourage you to maybe look up some books that will allow you to find simplicity, to simplify things in your life. And I'm not just talking about going through your house and asking, does it bring you joy? All right. We tried that episode of Netflix with the kids. It didn't bring anybody joy. I was still ready to throw half the stuff away I saw and they weren't ready to let go. But the Lord wants us to find the rhythms of rest that will truly bring you joy. Does anybody know about the series I'm talking about? What's it actually called? The, oh, wow, that's too long. I'm not going to say that. The life-changing habit of tidying up and something. Yeah, so she's from Japan. You guys are watching that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting any joy from the two of y'all right now. I'm just sensing you got joy. So if you want to Netflix it, it's out there. It's about how you go through your house and you purge, basically. And it brings this uh, lady so much joy to watch people simplify and find freedom. I've got, four, I've got 18 kids, according to uh, James Biddle, so we don't find joy in any of that. We got a house full of stuff. So the Lord, though, I believe wants us to find those moments of rest. He wants us to find his joy again, but we've got to be able to hit pause on what we're walking through. I want to read 2 Corinthians 4.17. And we're going to get to the rest of this later in a couple of weeks. I hope you guys come back. Next week is going to be really good uh, on Father's Day. We've got a, a special surprise for all the dads in the house. It's going to be good. And uh, Rick's going to be bringing a word. And the week after that, we're going to continue talking about the voice. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up uh, in two weeks. So 2 Corinthians 4.17, if you're there, you're just looking at the screens anyways. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Some of you, that's really hard to, to believe, right? That your present troubles are small. You're like, no, they ain't, Michael. You don't know my present troubles. You don't know what I'm going through. They ain't small. And they won't last very long. You guys remember a few weeks ago, um, I believe it was in April, <clears throat> I talked about one of the things that is really difficult to remember is that our mountaintops and our valleys alike they all will pass. None of it is permanent. And, and none of us fear that when we're on the mountaintop that it's gonna last forever, right? Oh my gosh, life's gonna be great forever. Oh no, how am I gonna do this? I just won the lottery. I bet my life's gonna be awesome forever. I don't think I can handle it. No, we think that our pain's gonna last forever. But we never attribute that to the good times that the Lord walks us through. But what we have to understand is that everything is temporary. Everything will pass Every season we go through will change. We can put some cycles into motion to see those seasons healthier and know that our perspective will, will remember that the Lord is with us. But here's what Paul writes. He says, your present troubles are small and they're not gonna last very long. But guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now but whether, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. I want us to land this plane here. As I'm talking about this, I just believe that the Lord wants to strengthen some folks that are just walking through maybe that dark night of the soul, maybe some just very wearying storms. Maybe it's been cycles over and over that have been unhealthy and the Lord's wanting to give you his strength and power through his spirit to be to be able to break those cycles and to recognize that he's gonna produce something in us. 
He's producing something for his glory. He's revealing himself to us and through us. Will you fix your eyes on what is eternal with me? Will you begin to look at the one who is walking with us through it all, our good shepherd? And that's what I want us to to remind ourselves of as I wrap this up. Is there anyone that can come play? Zay, would you come play for a minute? I want us to pray together. Everybody left me that plays. Oh, there's Tom's face. You can come, Zay. Go ahead. If James had been here, he would have come up about 45 minutes ago. Y'all can, Scarlett, you can text him. Real praise report. Scarlett's uh, younger son, Josh. Malia just leaps and bounds um, from a week ago. Just seeing God move in her body. And the doctors were able to get in there and get that stent replaced with a, a better model. Praise reports there. Sometimes in our waiting and in our seasons, we have to push a little bit. We have to grind. We have to move some things forward. And I want to I encourage you. I want to encourage you that what you're walking through now is not going to last forever, whether it's good or bad. But know that he's the one that is with us through it all. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes? I believe there's a few folks, as I mentioned just a minute ago, who whether it's through busyness, whether it's through addiction, we've just numbed stuff that, we're, that we need to face. That the, God, that the God of the universe that created us to rest wants us to rest in him. But we have filled our lives with so many other things than coming to him. And he wants to strengthen you by the power of his spirit right now. If that's you, if you're just saying, Michael, I need some refreshing. I'm in a season. I don't know exactly how much longer I can weather this season or I, I wanna see a change or a transition. If that's where you find yourself, I just wanna pray with you. Would you just slip up your hands? Just, yes. Anyone else? Yes. There's a season of your life and you're just saying, Lord, I need to experience the strength of your spirit. Okay. Lord, I believe that you know exactly where each one of us are today. I just ask that you would allow us to continue to approach the seasons you walk us through with the perspective of eternity. Lord, would you give us strength this week to tap into the power of your spirit, to get into the rhythms of your grace, to stop striving and to wait and to rest. We thank you, Jesus, that what we can't do, you've already done. You have finished it. We accept the work of your cross in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that because of that, you are ever present in our time of need. You are ever present in our troubles. And Lord, we will rejoice with those who rejoice. We will mourn with those who mourn. And through it all, we will say there is a glory that is being produced that far outweighs it all. And we will fix our gaze upon you. Jesus, be with us in our coming and our going. Strengthen those that need strength today. Meet us where we're at, Lord. It's in your name I pray, amen. I wanna encourage you this week, take some time. Look how you can schedule it into your calendar to rest, to wait. Maybe a couple times a day. When I was in New York with uh, Tara, she had more alarms than anyone I know going off on her phone. Dear Lord, she wakes up every single person in her house to go to work, I think. And then she has all these prayer requests that just go off. They just keep going off. Schedule it. Put a reminder in your phone if you need to. Lord, I'm gonna spend, I'm gonna spend two minutes. 
I'm gonna spend a couple minutes, I'm just gonna center myself back on you. Because how many of you know, even when we leave our uh, time with the Lord in the morning, we can, we can quickly get into the, the events of the day and forget that. He wants us to, to be constantly reminded that he's with us, that he, he renews us. He brings rest to the weary. Let's figure out how to put that into the rhythms of our day. Amen?